Next Chapter Podcasts. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You leave me dry. Oh my God. I didn't know a song could be dark and funny. This is one of the funniest records, and not in a bad way. Not like funny, like, haha, it sucks. Like, funny, like, dude, PJ Harvey probably has like a killer, like, in between song banter. I bet she, or she says nothing. But I God, I hope she's like Billy Joel and she's just ripping jokes, dude. The song is dry. It's by PJ Harvey from her 1993 sophomore album, Rid of Me. It's also number 406 out of 500 on the 500 with this guy, the King Kadoogle, Josh Adam Myers. What is up, Fleece Army? How is your week? How is your life? How is your dog? How is your cat? Maybe somebody's got, I bet a bunch of my listeners got fish. Maybe you got uh, a marmot. What are they called? What are those things called? Oh my God. I lived with a dude that had, they're illegal in California. It was named Munka. It's like a rat. Oh my God. Why can't I think of it? Dude, Fleece Army, please like shit on me on Twitter if, because I can't remember it. It's like a little nibbler. It nibbles on you. Whatever it is, I'm going to think of it by the end of this. Um, but who cares? Welcome to the show, everybody. Uh, I love this, man. I'm just going to say thank you from the bottom of my heart for listening, for tuning in, for sharing, uh, for everything. If you're doing the Instagram stories, I fucking love you even more. So everybody should do it. Take a screenshot of how you're listening to the 500 and tag me at Josh Adam Myers. Uh, put hashtag Fleece Army and tag at the 500 podcast and tag my guest and show everybody that you are in the Fleece Army and you're good to go. And if you are good to go, then why don't you join our Patreon, the 500 Club? We are going to be posting full episodes of the ones we trimmed down over the last two years, and they're all up on Patreon. Join the movement, guys. We're giving away merch for signing up that's been created by my homie for life. We're going to take mushrooms together. I'm so excited. My boy Nick, a.k.a. Young and Sick. We're cooking up cool stuff in the lab. And we've got some other material we're going to be putting on Patreon. So just join. uh, Help support this podcast and all the incredible people that make it. Morty, uh, me, Jeremiah, a.k.a. JT, Adam, even though we're not doing live recordings right now, so I fucking love you, Adam. And then Melissa and Emily, I love you, my bookers. Also, 
buy some CBD from our sponsor, Sunset Lake CBD. Let me tell you something. So I started working with Sunset Lake CBD, and I got to be honest with you, they sent me a box of stuff, and I've used all of it, or I gave some away to friends that needed CBD, and they have called me and said, how dope. I gave my friend Craig Conant the gummies, because I don't like the sugar. There might not be sugar in them. I don't know. But he said he, he's getting the anxiety. I gave him the CBD gummies, and he texted me. He was like, dude, incredible. Thank you so much from the bottom of my heart. He's like, dude, what's the company's name? And I was like, Sunset Lake CBD. Guys, they're family-owned from Vermont. They only use organic fertilizers and zero pesticides. And if you guys love smoking, they have hand-trimmed CBD hemp flour. I've got it. It's incredible. Slow-cured and stored in tamper-sealed glass jars. They also got pre-rolls, which I think they just sent me some more. And, dude, if you got hurt muscles, they got all the creams. If you don't want to smoke, they got the gummies. If you want drops, they got that too. I give it to my dog. My dog had a hurt paw. I started giving her the Sunset Lake CBD drops, and she's fine. So seriously, guys, an incredible company. Check them out, Sunset Lake CBD. Use the promo code JAM500 for 15% off your next purchase. Now, let's get to this record. Our second PJ Harvey record, and man, it's a Wangzuki. Released on Island Records on May 4th, 1993, and produced by the very famous and amazing Steve Albini, this is the second studio album and major label debut by PJ Harvey. At that time, with Steve Vaughn on bass, Rob Ellis on drums and backing vocals, and of course, my boo, Peach. This was the last album before Polly went solo with the same name. So PJ Harvey and the boys were in a different band. The band relocated to London so Harvey could study sculpting in college. The trio recorded demos that got them signed to independent label Too Pure. And after putting out only one single, its success started a bidding war among bigger record labels. The band was reluctant to sign with the major label for fear of losing artistic control, but eventually decided on Island Records. So within one year, they were a critical success with several singles and a well-received independent album out and preparing for their major label debut. Rolling Stone even named Polly Jean Songwriter of the Year and Best Female Singer. However, in mid-1992, with a grueling tour schedule, an awful breakup, not taking care of herself, and losing her deferred spot at Central St. Martin's College of Arts and Design contributed to a nervous breakdown. So... Paige leaves London to go back to Dorset where she can recuperate and write most of this record. By fall, she started feeling well enough to do a small tour of America, and that is where the band stayed to make this record. They chose Packy Durham Recording Studio in Minnesota, like the middle of nowhere from what I read, with legendary Chicago musician and recording engineer Steve Albini to produce the stark, raw, noisy, uncompromising album was done in a couple of weeks. Rid of Me received even bigger critical and commercial success despite near continuous controversies from the cover of her album to how she presented herself to the press to the fearless content of her songs. And let me tell you something about PJ, guys. 
nine more albums. She's won the Mercury Music Prize twice, 2001 and 2011, making her the award's most successful artist. And you've heard me talk about the Mercury Music Prize. Some of my favorite artists have won it, and some of my favorite artists have been nominated and not won to other bands that I then found out about and are dope. All British fucking pay attention to the Mercury Music Prize. Also, in 2013, Page was appointed a member of the Order of the British Empire, or as I like to call it, the MBE, by Queen Elizabeth II for her contributions to music. Like I said, this is our second time doing PJ Harvey on the list. First time we did it with Mary Lynn Ricegub, and I've got another incredibly funny comedian, the one and only Carrie Kenny Silver. You know Carrie from being Trudy Weigel on one of my favorite shows, Reno 911, part two of Reno 911, streaming now on Quibi. She was on Viva Variety. She was a part of one of me and my high school friends' favorite sketch comedy groups, The State, on MTV. She's been in countless other things, and the coolest shit about her is that she was so fun to riff with. We've known each other, but we've never really gotten to talk, and... Dude, we could have talked for three hours. And what's so cool about her is, dude, she's in on the joke, man. If you if you pick something up, she'll start skadiddling, and then we are off. I am so happy that uh, she agreed to do this. So I think you guys are going to enjoy it. Rate, review, and most importantly, subscribe to The 500. And if you're listening on Apple, please give us a five-star rating and leave a review. You can literally say, fuck The 500. Follow me at Josh Adam Myers on all social media. Email the podcast at 500podcast at gmail.com. Follow both of our Facebook groups, the 500 Podcast with Jam and the ever so fucking selective 500 Podcast fan page. And for all things 500, go to our website, the500podcast.com. Well, guys, nothing left to say, but here we go with number 406 out of 500. With rid of me. But most importantly is I just want you to feel comfortable. We joke around a lot, so dude. Feel oh no, free. that's not okay. Yeah. Thank you. Bye. <laughs> you know, I'm just I wanna say something to you, like regardless. Um, we almost had like we reached out to PJ Harvey at oh. management and they said and then the manager goes um, she goes, unfortunately, PJ doesn't do interviews, but she does want to hear the episode. No oh, pressure. Fuck me. No fuck pressure, me. Josh. You had to say that right. Okay. Well, I'll then forget all the PJ really Harvey really bashing really I was about to do. Are we please tell me we're recording already. Listen, PJ, Peach, I like to call her Paige. Oh, the Peach. I call her totally, the Peach. Peach is totally chill. Uh, I know... Her her management said she's gonna listen to this episode, but honestly, like we're all we love her. We love Paige. I wish you Paige. hadn't told me until after, so that you knew that everything I said was genuine. First of but, all, we don't know if PJ is going to listen to this episode because PJ, if you can hear me, <laughs> we think you're great. We think you're great. We think you're the really whores great. hustle, the hustlers whore. We love it. Stories from the city, stories from the sea is not about New York, even Come though on. it feels like it's about New York. I mean, 4th Street, 5th Street, <laughs> McDougal. You know, you're talking about Times Square in the theater district. We kind of think. 
Where so, are so, you, Polly Jean? So, so Carrie, tell me, tell me about your relationship with PJ because it, it feels like everything with her career and almost yours are kind of like sunk up throughout in perpetuity. First of all, I love that you started with your relationship with PJ. Um, if only I had an actual relationship with PJ Harvey. I don't. Uh, I worship her. I've worshipped her since the '90s, and and yes, I mean, we have had um, similar. Um, I mean, the timing is no mistake. I'm a fan of hers. I have been a fan of hers since Dry. Um, I it she influenced me in huge ways. A lot of people don't know that I was in a band uh, in the '90s in New York. It was, you know, Riot Girl times. I wouldn't say we were necessarily a Riot Girl band, um, but by its nature, we were three women singing about our experience and sort of saying, like, look, we can do it too, like the guys. So it was Riot Girl-esque. Um, our first album came out in 1994. So I was, you know, full of just you know, listening over and over and over to dry. I mean, I think it influenced a lot of people. Um, Rid of Me came out, I think, in 93 also. 1993, yeah. Uh, so, you know, between those two albums, I was obsessed. And obsessed with, you know, I mean, she she influenced so many people. Yeah. Um, and then you hear a lot of influence from other people in, in her music. It, it's just, it's... Uh, she's so full and so raw and so real and so nasty and dangerous and unsettling. And it was like, wow, women can be this, you know, this is okay to do. Um, so yeah. So, you know, as, as, as she was, you know, doing her thing, we were doing our thing too. She was doing her thing on a much bigger scale than we were doing our thing. But, you know, we were doing it. We were touring, you know? I mean, that's music. That You're you're out there, you're touring, you're doing that. Plus, you're maintaining a comedy career. So... So so specifically, what I want to know is, what about this record? Because you mentioned Dry, which I... I have yet to dig into. I am a new PJ Harvey fan, but I have I have always seen her in like publications and people talk about how great she is. And I knew I would love her. Like I just knew. So so really, I we've done uh, stories from the city, stories from the sea. Incredible that, album. That we we did that one. I did that with Mary Lynn Ricebub uh, on the podcast a few months ago, and so that was my first real dig dive into PJ. And then this one. Um, which I, I, I'm just completely blown away with. Um, so tell me about when you first heard this record in particular. Well, I feel like draw. You know, it all sort of followed the times. You know, when Dry came out, Dry was. I mean, Dry is a great title for that record, first of all, because it was so raw and it was yeah. so like you felt like you were in the room, and there wasn't a lot of you know crazy production going on, and. I feel like Rob Ellis produced that record. But then, I mean, Rid of Me comes out. It's the same band. It's the same sound, but it's just a little fuller. I mean, I think, you know, sometimes you hear you hear records. It's like, you know, oh, I love this band. And then some big producer gets a hold of them and you're like, oh, and it's all watered down. And yeah. it's like everything's too chunky and too full and too stereo. 
but Steve Albini just did his Steve Albini thing. And it's just, it's them, but even more delicious. Oh my God. First of all, that was, uh, when you use the word chunky, that's like a word I would use. All, I yeah. use that describing anything. I'm just like, my dog's acting kind of chunky today. And everybody's like, I get it. <laughs> it's a good word. This, so I can't agree with you more about producers coming in there and meddling. So like you said, Dry was produced, it was produced by PJ and Rob Ellis. So then they're working now with, with Steve Albini. And, and I mean, this is also at the beginning of grunge. Grunge is just kind of making its way. I mean, it's big. I think by 93, grunge was already one of the biggest music forms out there. Am I wrong? Or? Oh, no, you're right. Okay, cool. Absolutely. So, 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 so this record. Now, like I said, I haven't listened to Dry yet. I'm going to, but this record to me is probably, in my opinion, the the gold standard of not just grunge, and I, but I want to be specific too to female driven grunge. I mean, because when you think about some of the bands, there's L7, which I know came mm. out a little bit later, and then there's um, like Courtney Love and Hole. Right. And and there's something about this record that I feel you can put up there with the 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 other gold standards of grunge. You can put this up there with 10. I think you can oh, put this I would up there put with Nevermind. I would put yeah. it up, up, up exactly right with it. You know, a lot of people say, um, and I even say it, oh, I was in a girl band. Like girl comes first as if that sort of, you know, quantifies it in some way. It's like I was in a band. Yeah. And I could say you could say about PJ Harvey, you know, PJ PJ Harvey is in a band. She she happens to be a woman it, it, as far as like, you know, you know, we would say, you know, grunge or or indie rock or whatever the hell you want to call it was very male centric at the time. Yeah. And I don't think anyone would say, you know, this is great indie rock for a girl. It just was. It just was you're right, right up there, equal with and and Courtney Love. I know was very influenced by PJ Harvey as well. Oh, I can see it. Uh, yeah, now, that's one hundred percent about yeah. that. Especially because we broke down uh, "Live Through This" uh, a few months ago as well, and I really got to dig into that. I can hear like I hear like Fiona Apple influenced by by this Alanis Morissette. I would, I would, I would bet you would be hard to find any female artist in indie rock or, or, or yeah, neighboring genres that weren't influenced by PJ Harvey. I mean, everybody was influencing, influencing each other at that time, but um, certainly she had a very singular voice. Can we also talk about, before we get into the tracks, can we talk about how lyrically funny this album is? Like, not like, listen, it's dark as hell if you just listen to it and you're not paying attention to the lyrics you're like oh she's a, she's dealing with a relationship or she's mad at the or she's being like a very like like all of her like defiant post-feminist ideals but she's got songs about like a bad hand job like the hand job of death right she's got a song called dry right which is literally just about <laughs> now nah, this it ain't gonna work it ain't i am dry and i mean it is hysterical when i sat down to read these lyrics and listen to it it totally changed my perception on pj harvey yeah she's not just like you know angry mad at men you know she she's not you know i I wouldn't even describe her as a feminist i mean that i mean that's not fair to speak for someone else in that arena but i wouldn't i think she's just speaking her truth what it 
you know, whatever it is. But I think part of her truth too is, is irony and finding humor in things. And that, that, that also actually is something I hadn't thought about before, but I think that that probably is one of the, one of the things that subconsciously made me think, oh, I can do this too. Because at the time I thought, but I do comedy. Like I'm not that guy. I, I do comedy. I don't do music. And my girlfriends and I said, while our, boy, while our, you know, we had all had boyfriends who were in bands at the time going, what, um, Shudder to Think and Girls Against Boys. And, you know, they were going off to do, to do tours of their own. And we thought as a joke, while they're gone, let's write a song, right? Which, which yeah. instrument do you want to play? Which instrument I'll do this, I'll sing, I'll play bass. And we started writing a songs and we were like, this is actually kind of fun. Let's come back tomorrow. And then we came back the next day and, and started playing. Somebody poked their head into our practice space one day and said, you guys sound good. You want to come play our party in Brooklyn? And we were like, well, we only have three songs. He's like, great, come play three songs. So we came, we played three songs. John Zorn was there, who's this legendary experimental jazz musician. And he said, yeah. you know, I know this label off of, out of Japan, do you guys want to do a record? And we were like, we have to write some more songs. He's like, okay, do that. <laughs> so we did. And, and our first album got three and a half stars in Rolling Stone. And we were like the center of pages of Spin Magazine. And then Rick Ocasek found us. We He produced us. And then we went off and did, uh, Neil Young found us. And, and um, he signed us to his label, Vapor Records. And we did we did three albums with him. So it was like, it was like, I feel like I needed that kind of, you know, you don't just have to be like, you know, some angry woman that hates men that wants to like play like them or, you know, it was like, oh, I can be, I can be whatever I am and go play this music. And yeah. And, and I think, she, I think she, I think she inspired everyone around that time. I mean, I even, you know, Kurt Cobain talked about it. So it wasn't just, it yes. wasn't just female. So, female so artists. two things, not, not, not just two things just to go off of what you just said. So let's talk. So just mentioning about PJ Harvey being uh, misinterpreted as a feminist, according to her, she says, when I'm writing songs, I never write with gender in mind. I write about people's relationships to each other. And if it there comes out go. that way, it comes out that way. And then you just mentioned Kurt Cobain. Uh, so being that Steve Albini uh, produced this record, and he did in utero, um, and, well, hold on, let me see if I can take this. So just like the way she chose Steve Albini to produce at Pachyderm Studio after admiring his work with the Pixies, when Nirvana heard a then unreleased copy of this record, he chose Steve to yes. produce in utero at Pachyderm also. Because so, the sound, yeah, because yeah. it's so, and, and, and Kurt Cobain, I know, is inspired by Dry. So he's probably thinking, okay, well, same thing we were saying. What's this guy going to do with this sound, this raw yeah. sound? And I think that was probably Surfer Rosa. The album. Yeah. yeah. Oh, for sure. I mean, that album just. Oh, that's, forget that's about it. That's like. Forget about it. <laughs>
I'm more of a breeders fan. But no, I no, mean, you know. love, adore, love, <laughs> no. adore. We went um, on tour with the Kelly Deal 6000. And did I'm, you really? I'm Deal sister obsessed, yes. You know what's so funny is that you've basically already answered like the whole chunk I was going to talk to you about the band. <laughs> I still have some follow-up. So okay, let's, bye. So, bye. So before, let's just dive right into it because uh, there's so many great songs in this. First of all, the uh, the title track opening song, Rid of Me, uh, in my opinion, is, is just perfect. Uh, so Polly was going through a nervous breakdown as she started writing this album and admits she was almost psychotic while writing this song of rage that she shocked herself. And I also think that this clip uh, is perfect to encapsulate that statement. Peter, uh, play a taste. Until you say, don't you So she goes from like, uh, like just just fucking like ah intense and to then, even more intense to just this like control yeah dude in. completely Ooh. batshit crazy into an even scarier crazy by seeming controlled and I just love it just sucks it in yeah. Hey everybody, so you guys have probably heard me talk about how I've been in bands my whole life. Uh, I love writing songs and performing in front of crowds. Uh, just like with comedy, as a musician, it can be kind of hard to cut through the noise and really stand out as an artist. I feel like half the music projects I've been in have ended just because we couldn't figure out the answer to that eternal question of how do we get people to hear us? But then again, that was before there was DistroKid. DistroKid is a digital music distribution service that brings your sound to the masses. It's a one-stop shop for getting your songs on iTunes, Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube Music, Amazon, Deezer, Tidal, and many more. What's Deezer? I've never even heard of Deezer. How many of them are there? I know all that that's like the holy grail of streaming services though. And and getting paid. They want to we want to get you paid for your music. That's huge because a lot of bands go broke before they get big. But DistroKid collects earnings and payments and sends 100% of these earnings to artists minus banking fees and applicable taxes. And that's just one of the tons of benefits of using DistroKid. You can send big files to anyone with their instant share feature. You can use the hyperfollow feature to promote your release and get pre-saves on your song. You can even create personal landing pages for yourself, your band, your brand, and whatever you like. It has a free Spotify canvas generator too to generate your own Spotify canvas for your songs. And the Mixia feature instantly masters your tracks for higher quality audio. So if you're ready, to bring your band to the next level, it's time to check out DistroKid. The DistroKid app is now available on iOS and Android. Go to the app or Play Store to download it. Listeners of this show can get 30% off their first year by going to distrokid.com slash VIP slash the 500. That's distrokid.com slash VIP slash the 500 for 30% off your first year. Dig it. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? 
they're also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. So funny fact, a writer for the British music paper Melody Maker was so freaked out by the transition from seething restraint to lashing out while listening to this while driving that she crashed her car. Okay, she needs to get out more. Yeah, she's, you know. Yeah. She was also drunk and she, on ketamine, right. probably. Right, she only had British one eye. Come on. yeah. yeah, one eye, no fingernails. I don't know what that had to do with it. No, but, but that's disturbing. That alone disturbing. could make Very. you uh, sample lyrics. <laughs> sample lyric that I love more than anything. Might be one of my favorite lyrics of all time. You're not rid of me. I'll make you lick my injuries. I, I, it's just, that's okay. the, that, this is, that's the, 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 her mission statement of this record, in my opinion. Yes. But did you see, so I just have to say hearing, hearing all these, you know, hearing all the, the lyric, you know, you, and, ba- and back in the day, I felt like you, I did anyway, I really pulled out the CDs and I'm reading the liner notes. Yeah. You can't, you couldn't Google or ask Jeeves about it. You had to sit there with paper. For those of you that don't know what paper is, it's made of trees yeah. and it's got like, you know, you, they have words on it. You could do a separate podcast about this part, but anyway, um, I would, you know, devour the lyrics of, of things and I didn't, but I didn't know much about her as a person, you mm-hmm. know? So you're just hearing this song, you're reading these lyrics and you're like, holy fuck, who is this wonderful, delicious, nasty, unsettling person. Yeah. And then I saw her on Jay Leno. Yes. I've, I've heard about this. I've okay. heard about this. Tell me about it. Tell me, tell me so what it did to you. Apparently... Apparently, she had just broken up with the band. Like, the album came out, and the band broke up. And she's standing there alone with a guitar in this sparkly dress, all of about 70 pounds, uh, just, like, deliciously, you know, heroin-cheeky without the heroin. Yeah. And... It's Leno, right? It's Leno in the '90s, so it's like it's like, hey, like the Seinfeld's here. I got three hundred and seventy-five cars. And then there's this little lady standing there playing this song with no one behind her, just her and a guitar, and I I was mesmerized, and then thought. Of course, he's not going to bring her over to the couch, right? Because what's he going to do with her? He's not going to. And for the first time ever, I hear her speak. I had never heard her speak. Um, didn't know she was British because. Really? I, would I was immediately assumed she's British. It was the 90s. I was very Pale. self-centered. I didn't pay attention. Pale had a, had a had a had a had a had a Beatles button and a radio. Never mind. I don't listen. I, I had a Beatles British. button. I wasn't. British ever. She was eating wine gummies and okay, well that uh, and does had a it can then. of Heinz she, beans and, her, and toast. Her teeth weren't great at the time. Yeah. Um, no, but I then he brings her over to the to the couch, and I don't want to ruin it for you. Spoiler alert: he, she starts talking about her family's farm and how they um, castrate. It was some sort of small farm animal. So how they after, twist the after, testicles. Yeah, yeah. So on her, fam- her farm in Dorset, uh, what her chores were, and she listed 
was wringing the lamb's testicles with Ring. rubber bands that have been to eventually castrate them. And all the okay. men in the audience groaned loudly. I'm so glad that you're reading this actual fact from something because yeah. I have to say that over the years I've thought, I must have imagined that. Yeah. That didn't happen. E.J. Harvey didn't go on Jay Leno and talk about testicles. <laughs> um, she did. And I, yeah. I, and I loved her even more after that. And then Jay was probably like, all right, that's PJ hey, Harvey. Hi. Tune in tomorrow. We have Steven Seagal. Well, speaking of speaking of great music and speaking of uh, coming from rage and anguish, uh, we got to talk about Reno 911 because you guys found comedy in the darker aspects of humanity. <laughs> and y'all also took a very hilariously un-PC direction. So tell me about how did that come about? And, and also how many people tried to censor you? Uh, well, the way it on. came about was not intentional. It was sort of accidental. It was a bit of a Hail Mary because we, we Tom and Ben and I had written a, Tom Lennon, Ben Grant and I, mm -hmm. who, you know, worked together all the way back from the state. Yeah. Tom and I have known each other since we're in high school. So um, we were, Fox hired us to write a sketch show. And so we wrote a sketch show. We had never done improv. So we wrote a sketch show. We hired the cast that you see on Reno. And uh, by the table read, we could tell they were not into it anymore. Fox or Fox. the people that you brought? No, no, no. The people <laughs> we brought were all good to go. Yeah, the, they were, they were uh, full not of piss the and network. Vinegar, like, come on! <laughs> oh my god! But the network, not as much, not so much. So sure. we realized, like, oh my god, this isn't going to work. The night before we were supposed to shoot, Tom Lennon called me and said, uh, "How about this for an idea?" We've spent all the money, you know, to get ready for this sketch show. Scripts are written, costumes are built. How about we improvise a spoof of the of cops, which is on their network, right? Yeah. What do we have to lose at this point? So everyone picked a name, we got name tags, we rented some uniforms, and we just ran out and improvised. So I I I feel like we can't it, it wasn't a full exploration. It wasn't years of figuring out the formula. It was it it really did just happen organically. Um, originally as a spoof of cops. And then it did not get picked up. Yeah. Years went by and Doug Herzog, who was at Comedy Cent at Fox at the time, had moved over to Comedy Central and uh, he bought it over there. And coincidentally, now that we're on Quibi, he's at Quibi now. He's bought it a third time. No so, way. Yeah. So every time this show was bought, uh, Doug, Doug Herzog had a hand in it. So thanks, did, thanks, Doug. Thank you, Dougie. Thanks, did you ever Dougie. have, did you ever have like, uh, like, did Comedy Central ever try to censor it or change it or were there notes or would you, is it just, you know, like, I don't know how many cast members, but let's just say eight comedic geniuses, uh, you know, at the, at the, the height of just like improv, like, wow. was it you guys just riffing and just crazy. have, okay, well, it's just um, a bunch of guys <laughs> fucking around <laughs> and you. it just kind of worked. Thanks. Let's not lie to your listeners. <laughs> Um, I, uh, no, you know, comment, we had worked with comedy central for so many years, Viacom in, in general, cause you know, the state, uh, was on MTV, same family, uh, then moving over to, uh, Viva Variety, Comet was comedy central that, so we'd worked with them since we were wee little children. So they trusted us, you know, yeah. but there were some things, you know, standards and practices has a job to do. And sometimes that job is censoring buttholes and more power to them. Um, but no, they, 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 comedy central has always been, um, behind you guys behind us and trusts yeah. us. And, and we've been really lucky. And, and now moving over to Quibi, 
Quibi has no standards and practices. So hallelujah yeah. to that. Um, but uh, yeah, we've been pretty lucky. What, what, is there anything that you remember that, that you, that you guys, you know, recorded and you were, and then immediately were like, yeah, we're not going to be able to do that. Like that's, I think that all the time. Riff, yeah, yeah, yeah. Cause you're riffing, you're in an improv jam session. You've got all these great comics around anything that sticks out to you that you might've said that you were like, yeah, that's like, uh, let's take that again. Let's, let's. <laughs> I actually thought on this last round, uh, the, the, that's airing now on Quibi, we have a, a two episode runner that is let's shoot a white guy uh, where we realize that the optics are not great. So if we shot an unarmed white guy, maybe we could sort of, you know, even the score a little bit. And I thought there is no way this is going to fly. It did. And uh, it's in two episodes. Um, So there's that. Also, before we go any further, congratulations. I just saw you were nominated for an Emmy. Uh, long overdue. Thank That's you. so great. Thank so great. you so much. Thanks. It's my it pleasure. Is, it is very, very exciting. It's, Do you know who you're up against? So I can go like Nancy Kerrigan them and like take the knees it's, out? Strangely, it's Nancy Kerrigan. So um, okay. well, hopefully yeah. she's still not going to get back up again anytime she's not, soon. She's used to it. So yeah. like, I could just knock her out. Yeah. And it would be fine. Just blow I got on her. Okay, Just... thanks. <laughs> All right. Next song uh, on the record is Mist. Uh, and now here, uh, she does the opposite of the last clip that we played. Uh, Peter played. Mary It's like you know it's coming. Like that you can wall hear, of sound. You can hear that little bit of feedback, and I just started getting excited. I'm like, I couldn't have been happier when oh. she crashes into that song. Well, when Stephen Vaughn's bass is just like that train that's coming towards you, that like delicious, chunky thunk. Ooh. You, this is the third time you said delicious well, now that and the I know fourth you like, time you've said chunky. Now that I know you, know you like chunky, I'm going to throw it in every... Ooh, you can, I always do a variation. I say ka-chunky. 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 It's, it's, it's my thing. But, you know, you can have it. I feel like you're in the chunkies in your stratosphere of words. <laughs> New chocolate bites. They're ka-chunky. So I've read that this could be about her relationship to a God concept as an adult after being raised by non-religious parents. Then there's also references to Mary who lost her head and is looking for her son, which likely references Mary, Queen of Scots, who was imprisoned a year after having her son, James, and eventually beheaded. Thoughts on this song? I call bullshit. You call bullshit? I call bullshit. I, I truly think that her songs again if i'm wrong polly jean call me um i i feel like they are a a like a word jazz situation i okay. feel like i feel like they are f- like phrases and poetry and i don't know maybe they're not maybe they're autobiographical but but i i just get the feeling that it's like you know, 
what she's feeling at the time. I, I, I have to say, as I'm saying this, I'm realizing the reason I say this is, is that's how, how I wrote music at the time was like, uh, this stream of conscious thing. And when people would say to me in interviews, so like, so did you really have a baby that you gave away? I'd be like, what do you, what? No, I don't even, my, I can't even take care of a plant. Um, I, 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 that's how I wrote music. And I guess I just assumed that's how hers was too. Cause I'm so influenced by her, but, um, who knows? Maybe they were autobiographical, but it feels more like poetry to me. Sure. That's, that's kind of, you know. Six and 12 flowing. is half a dozen. Completely. I completely agree with is what you're it? saying. Because sometimes, sometimes I, that's what, that's what people say all the time to One, sound, two, three, you know, to move oh, on to the God, next fact. Oh my God, it yeah. is. So, so you kind of talked about it uh, at the beginning about Cake Like, uh, your band. And I mean, you're getting signed to labels owned by John Zorn and Neil Young. You're getting produced by Rick Okasek. Um, so, so what I want to know, cause you already talked about how that came about. Like, how did you divide your time between comedy and music? Or was it just like, once the band started taking off, you're like, no, it's just going to be music. No sleep. You know, we were in our twenties and you, we were just go, just, just nonstop, you know, because it was, it was just like this, we're making art, we're making comedy, we're making music, like go, 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 go. Um, we lived in the East village in New York and just sort of felt like everybody was doing it. And it was just this exciting tidal wave of, of opportunity and, inspiration and it sounds so dumb but it just was it was such an exciting time for music and and for you know performance in New York I mean I'm sure everywhere but I did I was in New York so um I would you know during the day cake like spanned across the state and then Viva Variety so during the day I'd be at the office writing with the state and then go home at night, practice with the band on hiatus from shooting the show. I'd go on tour. Um, then Viva started same thing. And then on hiatus, I'd go on tour or we'd make a record. Um, and, uh, and I'm glad I did when I had all that energy because just talking about it makes me tired. (laughs) It's like, it's like, if you told me that as soon as I'm done with this, I had more shit to do the rest of the day. I'd be like, that's no, I'm 40. What do you want me to I'm 50. I can't yeah. fold the towels today. I already <laughs> yeah. talked to a man on Zoom for an hour. Yeah. So I crazy? So, so I got to know, because uh, I've one, I heard you still owe Neil Young a record. Is that true? Yeah. Well, we did um, Elliot Roberts, God rest his soul. He passed this past year, who is, look him up. He's, he's, he's everywhere in music. He's a God. Um, Elliot is how we, how we met Neil and Neil would always joke with us when we would see him, like, you know, you owe us one more record. We did two with them. We had a three record deal. And, um, you know, I don't know what that, if that would ever happen, but, but it was fun to always have that hanging out there, you know, yeah. like they didn't come after us for it. I moved to New York. I mean, I moved from New York to California to do the last season of Viva Variety and start Reno. So they, they didn't come after us like an evil record label. They you know, if you want to do another one, we'd love to do it. So it's yeah. always nice to have that hanging out there like it's not over, you know? 
Oh, it's the coolest shit I've ever heard. Like, uh, you know, I was a fan before, but after reading all this stuff about Cake Like, I'm like, dude, you're like, you're a boss. Like, right dude, you're on. your own, you're your own Polly Jean Harvey. I really am. You're the Polly Jean Harvey of comedy. I'm Polly Jean Harvey in my heart. Oh, so there's no plans for a reunion anytime soon? I mean, we always talk about it. They're in New York. My two my two ladies are in New York. And we've yeah. got kids. And it's like, you know. But I got to say, these days, with this whole new, you know, Zoom situation and, you know, all these, whatever these are on the computer, how you can hear each other and these things that I'm wearing That's on my exactly head. That's exactly how Bill Gates describes how Microsoft <laughs> works. You know, you got a thing and a doodad and a skiddly do. There's buttons and they click. <laughs> and it goes. And then bang, boop, bang. there's a new record. Four and a half stars. <laughs> you should. I'm serious. Especially during the pandemic while we're all kind of at home. We're not really shooting. You know, do a Zoom like concert because there's a fan, hey. there's a fan base still out there. I Get never Neil thought, Young to sit in. I'm uh, sh- sure. Um, I never thought Reno would come. I mean, it's been ten years, so anything can happen, right? Sure, anything can happen. Oh my God, uh, Neil just walked in. <laughs> it's really? happening, Neely. <laughs> <laughs> Did you? <laughs> that's what I'd call him. I'd be like Neely, and he'd be like, "All right, dude. Okay, yeah. sit down. You're dropping the label. He yeah. is a sweet, sweet man." And when he would listen to, you know, like the final mix of our record or something, we would sit and watch him like try and pick apart like what's going through his mind and how is he feeling? And he just he would just be like, yeah, love it. Oh, I love that. That's, good. I, that's exactly yeah, what good. you want out of out of Neil Young is just, you know, that harvest moon attitude all the time. Yeah. Pure just love and support. Yeah. Oh, I love it. All right, moving on to the next track, Legs. Uh, so this is about loving someone so much that you'd cut their legs off so they can't leave you. Uh, it reminded me of the movie Misery. It reminded me of the movie Boxing Helena. And Polly said, I got that idea from when you're younger and you have your favorite toys that you play with and you love them so much that they fall apart. Uh, this might be one of my favorite parts on the whole record. Peter, play it. <laughs> Dude, that is me every morning, just waking up, just like, ah! would It would also be you if someone pulled your leg off. Yes. Oh, well, you know, I mean, I got two of them. Right. I, 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 could, I can I relate to that, that you love something so much, you pull it apart thing. I have this weird thing where it's like, if something is so cute, I want to chew it. Oh, like I do I, that to I, my dog. Yeah, I, I, it's a miracle that I didn't, like, bite into my child when he was a baby. Like, I would look at him and I would scrunch my molars really tight, like, oh, so much. Yeah, so uh, to go off of that, mm-hmm. uh, I have a, I have an 80-pound Doberman uh, named Lekka. She is the love of my life. I love this oh. dog so much. And all I do is get on top of her and then just bite her, like, face jowls, like, right here. And I just go like, ah, and then I let go of it. I pull it away and then I let go and, and she just that lets me do it because I get it. It's, it's that, um, 
Oh God, what is that? What is that movie? Uh, Punch Drunk Love. I don't know yes, if you remember that, yes, but yes, like yes. He, they're like like Adam Sandler and the, the his love interest character or that one the girl that he's fallen in love with. I can't remember her name, but they're like kissing and holding each other, and she's like, and and he says something to you. He's like, I just want to smash your face with a brick. Yes. I just love you so much, and it's like, yeah, dude, I have felt that a million percent. I so get be, it. So being that being that you love hard. What's the craziest thing you've done during or after a relationship? Oh, God. Are we really going to go there? We don't have to, but if you got I've something. I've blocked so much of it out. Um, every one of my exes right now listening to this is like, ah, ah, ah. <laughs> is she going to tell it? Um, <laughs> what's the craziest thing I've done before or after? Oh, my God. Or during. It could be during or, during or after. If you got nothing, we can just move on. It's my Oh, no. I, I mean, I'm, it's possible that I just have too many. Okay. Ooh, um, like Separate podcast? He, you know, I guess my husband, when we first met, I, I was like, oh, well, this is love. This is obvious. We're going to get married. And then he kind of disappeared for a while. And I was like, oh, I guess he didn't get the memo. Well, I'll just go find him. Yeah. Um, and uh, I guess I like, I it's I may have driven by uh, his home a couple of times um, just to see if he was home. I want you know to make sure he was okay. Yeah. Um, but truly, truly not in a freaky stalker way. Like I didn't go out of my way. I didn't. I don't know. I don't you know. Just is took that the long crazy? way to go to wherever you were going. Yeah. That just happened. At to first, I really was street. genuinely concerned, and then a friend of mine was like, "You idiot." <laughs> Like, don't you have band practice and improv <laughs> troupe practice? You're like, I know I'm driving 15 miles out of the way, but I got to write songs. I know he lives across the country, but listen, he could have slipped in the shower. Yeah. Who's going to save him? Uh, who's going to save him? I have to be there. All right, moving on. Um, rub till, it, till bleeds. it bleeds. So like I said earlier, this might be about the hand job of okay. death. Um, please. Before you play this, though. Okay. This is one of my favorite things about this record. What I loved about Dry was the raw sound of it, right? Mm -hmm. Then she goes on and does this with Steve Albini, and I'm thinking, okay, is it going to be too polished? As I'm listening to this song, Rub Till It Bleeds, I hear room sound of someone coughing. Yes. In the beginning yep. of the song, and it made me so happy because it was like, we love this take. I love the idea of... Can't you hear? We're actually this is actually live. We're actually all in a room together, and yeah. um, I loved it even more. No, I, and I and I love when they leave little like little like doodads in mm. that just kind of it, it just creates that it's not just some overproduced record. The flaws and all, and I think that's what's so great about PJ Harvey is it, it is flaws and all. Yeah, you know, it puts I find you her, there. It puts you there with them. Yeah, I find PJ to be extremely sexy, uh, but. It's like, you know, even the album cover, which we're going to talk about later, it's just like she lets it out there the way she did The Tonight Show, the way she talked about the castration. You got to love wounds and all, coughs and all. And if this would have come out today, people would think she has corona. Peter, <laughs> play a little taste. She lets out another scream yeah. that I connect with. Play it.
there is no cleaning up. It's it's no. it's like this sounds. I mean, it's literally just sounds like when I say the gold star of grunge. I mean, this is just the sound of the drums, the sound of the distortion, and then the lyrics. I mean, like it that moment right there. Like once again, sums up where PJ is at in her life. She just suffered from a nervous breakdown. The band is is recording and and they're rushing to record this record in like three weeks. And fighting, I heard. Who knows? I don't like to put those, but you know. But this song is dark and hilarious. It is about giving a hand job and fucking like ripping the skin off and just like rub it till it bleeds. I, I just this if I didn't love her before, I love her even more now. Yeah. All right, next one, Hook. Actually, I should, one of the question was, have you ever uh, given a hand job of death? And then you're like, there's been been so many. Uh, Obviously, you haven't done your research on me. Yeah, I know. We'll get to all these questions about Viva. All right, what about Hook? My Um, my famous hand job history. (laughs) There's a whole Wikipedia page just on that. Separate podcast. It'll be a Patreon (laughs) episode. All right, Hook. Uh, play, uh, 304, Peter. So I don't know if you heard that little transition between it went, she's doing the chorus and then there's this tone, this like, almost like if you're like, it's feedback, but it, it just comes throughout, like, the she does the initial chorus, and then she does another one with that, like, tone crunch on it. And the only way I can describe it is just this sludgy, smoldering vibe. And, and you I just know they, they couldn't have created that if they tried, you know, yeah. for hours in the studio. That's why those, you know, those garage room sounds are so just, like, in the moment. So. Yeah fresh and raw and you're there and it happened and you're experiencing it on, on this album. Yeah, completely. All right. So this song seems to have the narrator, Kathleen retelling her sexual experience with a man who has domination over her that she can't escape. Or Um, it's about an ice cream truck. You decide. It could be one or the other, (laughs) but, but I want to talk about male domination though, for a second, because you were the only female member along with 10 other men in the state. Yeah. Um, so what was that like and why were you the only female? We started as a comedy club in college and it was just like everybody auditioned and whoever got in, got in. And uh, we never, you know, the guys all played women. I played guys. There really wasn't this sort of like me and them situation. It really was. And I'm kind of, I don't know, I hate these kind of labels, but I'm I'm kind of a masculine like, you know, one of the guys kind of girl. So there wasn't ever that kind of, you know, in fact, when people would bring it up to us, we were like, oh yeah. Okay. I see. Okay. Yeah. No, there is one woman. (laughs) Um, but, uh, when we graduated college at NYU and we went and got our own show on MTV, they did say, so should we add more women or, and, and it was sort of like, it was like saying, to your family, like, I feel like we should add someone taller. Let Can we get someone tall? And it was like, no, but this is our fam. Like, you don't just add somebody. It, yeah. it is what it is, you know? Um, 
Yeah, I mean, there was never, and I, and I feel like it's important in this time in the world to say, uh, I was very lucky. I worked with 10 guys, you know, who were, had my back, treated me like one of them. There was never anything, you know, inappropriate. I never felt sexualized. I never felt, you know, blah, 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 all the way down. I'm, I'm torn apart to hear what some of the women, you know, many women go through and have gone through. Um, I can speak only specifically for my, you know, for comedy and, and entertainment. Um, I'm hearing of things that, that, that are kind of blowing my mind. And, um, and so I just want to say all these guys, all 10 of these guys in my experience, you know, I feel very lucky now that I hear, you know, other, other stories. Oh, completely. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've, I've met uh, Michael Ian Black, um, Tom Tom Lennon, we're gonna get to do the Smiths when oh, the Smiths comes because I know he's like a huge, huge. fan, huge, huge fan. But I had, uh, and I don't really know him very well. We had done some shows together, uh, but we were at JFL Just for Laughs mm-hmm. uh, in 2018, and I was going through this existential crisis, and we were out front of some podcast recording, and I was like talking to somebody about this existential breakthrough that I had and like the knowledge that like I should enjoy every moment because I'm eventually going to die. And this is the shit that's fun. And then he, he like stopped and joined the conversation. Everybody left. And then it was just me and Michael Ian black talking for like a half hour about like very like spiritual existential shit. And uh, we're connected now. Our souls are united uh, over an amethyst crystal. Oh, I didn't get the memo. Yeah. Congratulations. Did you do the whole like, do you guys get tattoos? We got tattooed. We burnt sage, Palo Santo. And uh, he's adorable. Um, But yeah, we're definitely getting Tom for for the Smiths because I know he's obsessed, right? Perfect. Welcome to us talking about our podcast for a minute. What's the name of that podcast? That's Axe to Grind, uh, and right now you're going to be getting a little a little taste of it, right down to the shaky microphone and all. <laughs> and my name's Bob. And my name's Patrick, and usually we're joined by Tom. Tom's the best. Tom has a real grown-up job that requires him to be at work, but we talk about decidedly not-so-grown-up things like... Hardcore music and things that people that like hardcore music tend to like. So that could be the latest shows, uh, revisiting classic material, talking about the new classics, um, all the little dorm room nonsense that you imagine from a niche music podcast that, that you either love, want to love, or hate. Yeah, imagine all the emotions that you have towards a genre that, that uh, has impacted your life uh, and then condense them down to an hour to two hours a week. So triangulate your speakers, think about jumping off the bed, singing along, dancing like an idiot, and listen to Axe Grind Podcast. We'd never admit it, but deep down, we all get at least some pleasure from bad things happening to somebody we don't like. History's full of stories about bitter enemies being mutually horrible. Usually nothing good comes of it, but sometimes, sometimes... You get soul singers James Brown and Joe Tex, or 17th century nun Sor Juana, and the entire Catholic Church duking it out and dramatically changing our world. On Beef with Bridget Todd, we tell the stories of those petty feuds behind some of the greatest art, innovation, and global events. 
Listen to Beef wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, I got to say this too about the state, man. Like, uh, like me and my friends, like I always say, like the two of our big com- comedic influences in the '90s were the State and Mister Show. And it's like by Love taking Mr. the best Show. out of both, it's just, it's just you guys have influenced so many people. So I hope you know that because well, it's that's just very kind. Thank my you. Pleasure. All right, next song we're gonna kind of skip over because it's it's uh, this is a rough. Not I don't even call it rough, but man size sextet is uh it's a song we're gonna play a little bit but i'm telling you i had to skip over this because this song made me so uncomfortable interesting just all right play a little taste Big, i'm heading on man size got my leather boots on all right that's all that's all, no, that's it that's it that's all i can do that that doesn't that doesn't kind of unnerve you no here's why yes please yes it does yes okay. it does and here's why i love it <laughs> Okay, please. So I, at, when I was at NYU, my major was experimental theater. So I spent my days at NYU naked, rolling around on, a, on the floor, breathing out of my asshole and, you know, doing like, you know, experimental, you know, screaming. So Do you hear this, that? So I this, feel that. Oh my God. This was like, <laughs> she hears me. Um, but what I dig about, what I do dig about this song also, besides the fact that she was like, yeah, I'm putting this on my album is that there are two versions of this song on the same album. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of like, like David Bowie used to do that. Like, I like this. Let's do it. Let's throw in a couple more. Um, and this version, I also love that she put first. I mean, I, I just, I can't say I love it like, oh, I put this on and I do the dishes, but uh, the experimental artist in me loves that it's there. Yeah. I, I just want to imagine you right now just like in a shroud with like like weird face paint being like, oh. I am your mother. I am also your father. Ah! Oh, yeah. Spinning, <laughs> Sufi breathing, spinning, sweating. It's like it's like in the Big Lebowski when he goes to see his landlord's play, and it's just like, <laughs> like I mean, look, look where it got me, you know. I mean, it's yeah, so perfect. I, Obviously, yeah. you see all the experimental theater training seeping out of me as I'm doing fart jokes for cable. I, I know. I could just imagine like like Ben and Tom, like like, hey, do you see the? Uh, we got to get her in the sketch group. <laughs> Which one? The girl covered in blood or the one? Covered in semen. Blood, yeah, not look. semen. That's she's I don't really get her I don't think her timing's there. Wow, nobody breathes out of their asshole like that lady. <laughs> All right. Ah, uh, Highway 61 revisited. Uh this is how you cover a song, man. Yeah. So she chose to cover the nineteen sixty-five Bob Dylan song at the urging of her parents Brave. who were big fans. Uh and and I just love how PJ made this her own. Uh Peter, uh I wanted to play a contrast between the two real quick. So uh, hopefully, Peter, you have the other version because I put it in the thing. But um, if not, I'll get it ready. So, uh, Peter, play uh, the PJ version. So we're going to play the exact same part. We're going to play the exact same part, but in the uh, Bob Dylan version. Here you go. 
Same song, same words, way different. And and I just I love when people cover songs and make it their own. And, and so and brave it, to do Bob Dylan. I mean, yeah. that's pretty. That's pretty boss. We did oh. a cover. I think my favorite thing we ever did. No one's ever heard. I mean, no one's ever heard most of our music, but. The, my favorite thing we ever did that really no one ever heard, which you can actually find on YouTube, someone sent me recently. We did a, uh, it was like a T-Rex cover album, a tribute album to T-Rex, who I love. If you ever do yeah. T-Rex, have me back as a fly on the wall. Okay, cool. Um, but uh, we did, it was like a Mark Bolin tribute thing. And we did uh, uh, a song of his and it it, it just, I mean, it's so scary to 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 do a song that is from someone that you worship, um, but somehow it came out to be one of my favorite things. I think because it was an unreleased track of theirs, so I didn't feel too much. But to cover Bob Dylan in such a a big you know way, especially when everyone knows who you are, is kudos to kudos Polly. Kudos, Paige. Well, uh, I found this little quote from her. She said, I learned so much from working on this cover. I learned an incredible amount about the structure of songs. It really increased my admiration for Bob Dylan. His writing skill is incredible, and although I don't know if I'll ever get there, it's something I aspire to. That's why I included the track on the album, because he's an incredible songwriter. And, uh, yeah, I mean, when you cover someone like T-Rex, Velvet Underground, The Mm. Beatles... You know, you are Bob Dylan. You you gotta make it your own, and I and I just love it because, to be honest with you, I like I know some songs by Bob Dylan, but like I haven't listened to that album in its entirety, and uh, I, I love both versions now, and I just love that someone like Polly is probably inspiring so many people that you know you know are just like, yeah, I'm not listening to Dylan. That's my parents' music, right? But right. in actuality. He inspired everybody. So. Right, right. All right, moving on, uh, 50-foot Queenie. So Harvey, who has always been reluctant to labor herself a feminist, says she wasn't trying to write a female power anthem, but was inspired by the bravado of gangster rap. She's quoted saying, I really like the bragging, the way the rappers say their names over and over. That's I wanted rad. to write something about a really bullshit character. Uh, I feel like she did. Peter, uh, play 115. <laughs> The drums in that song, the tribal, like, I dare you to just air drum that song and not have your arms fall off. I mean, yeah, well, you're doing it. Oh, but one of your doing, arms is falling off. But I'm a professional air drummer. Oh. This is what I do. Okay, I do podcasts really... and I air drum. Uh, I go out and I go to Hollywood and Highland and I just do Okay, this. so there is a dude, there is a dude who yeah. lives at the top of the, can- I don't know if he, where he lives, but at the top of the Canyon Road here near me. Mm-hmm. which is no, it's no man's land. There's nothing there. No houses, nothing. It's just a mountain. There's a dude, a long blonde haired dude. Who's kind of, we say um, he sort of looks like he came out of the sea. You know, he's a bit of a sea creature looking gentleman. Yeah. Not in a bad way. 
Um, I don't mean it as an insult, but he, he's, he's sort of... He's he, part mollusk. He's part... He just, like, he looks like he crawled out of something. He has a full drum set set up just out of side of the road. And he playing just crazy, crazy sweat flying, sweat flying. And and I don't know what... I, I, my, I've, I've, of course, created a whole story in my head about who this guy is, but his, I feel like he, maybe he lives in an apartment somewhere and he can't have his drum set up and he goes there. I mean, drum. my son is a drummer. Setting up drums is a bitch. It's a it's bitch. Not, it's not something... And it's dusty out there and he's just go, go, go. And almost every time I think I should stop. And then I'm like, no, that's awkward. Like, what am I just going to sit on the side of the road and watch him play drums i don't know i don't even know if he's good but i know that he's got a lot of gusto i know he has a lot of gusto and um and he's got great hair you should you should pull out the guitar and fucking (laughs) jam with the dude and then it's and then it's sea creature or the the it's 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 carrie and the human scallop it's just you i can't believe i said he looked like a sea creature i really don't mean it guess what i mean like he's right here bring him in oh my god Listen, it's, I know I look weird, but, you know, I'm, I live in a duplex, not an apartment. I got to get out of here. I love your work on the hi-hat. <laughs> all right, I want to ask you this. Uh, all right, because you are you're strong, you're a badass, you take no shit, you're powerful. Let's say you wake up tomorrow, you're 50 feet tall. Who, what, or where do you attack? Oh, you say attack. It, my first instinct is hide. Like, nobody can see this. This is... I'm going to scare people. You got to attack. Oh, Jesus. Revenge. Um, I mean, I don't want to get political on here, but... Um, Do it. <laughs> We're all libertarians. Uh, Taco Bell. No, I, uh, <laughs> I mean, I don't want to get... Um, who do I attack? Um, I don't want to attack anybody. I mean, I hate to be that, you know, that lady, but I just right now, like, oh, what I would do is I would scoop people up and take them away from trouble (laughs) (laughs) just like there you go you take the drummer out and be like you need to be you need to go to uh to to the roxy and then you walk him over and you put him on the stage of the roxy Uh, i would do like really sad things i would like just kind of pathetic with my power i'd be like oh i see that you're trying to get across the street here let me help you crawl up into my giant hand there you go people are like "Ah, what the Oh shit! That's my bad. I didn't mean to crush your pomeranian. It's it was too small. I mean, I'm fifty feet. Help! All right, next song: Yuri G. Uh, Peter, play a little taste. So this references both the moon goddess Luna as well as the titles Yuri, I'm going to fuck this up, Gagarin, the Soviet cosmonaut who became the first human to travel outer space and orbit Earth. While writing this album in Dorset, England, she lived in the flat of a Russian woman, so it's possible she saw something about Yuri there. Uh, I have read the song is about power and how she is obsessing over something or someone and would do anything to have it control it or be near it thoughts on the song my first thought is we have stolen or tried to steal that vocal sound so much that it's kind of pathetic when i hear it now i'm like oh yeah we still never quite nailed it but Mm -hmm. that was a very influential 
um, sort of sound that they got on that vocal. And um, I'm still obsessed with it. Um, I don't know. It's funny, you know, all this talking about like what the lyrics mean, even, you know, back in the day, I, 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 I would read them and I would go over them, but for some reason my brain would never go to what's this about? What yeah. inspired this? It's more like, um, but, but now that I'm hearing this, maybe because I'm older and can sort of reflect more on things. I don't know what, I don't know what the hell I'm talking about, but I, I'm loving this, like hearing that, that how cool if that's what that song is about, you yeah. know? And she, and just also the image that she lived in a flat, you know, in this with Russian, this Russian woman's woman, flat, yeah, and she's, the Russian woman is is reading the newspaper about Yuri G. He's a great man. Oh, he Yuri, is a great man. You should write song. You should Pali. write song about you should, Yuri G. You should write song. Oh, you know what? You should write song about how long I waited in line for bread. Yes. Now eat uh, your kugel. Dude, I've got, I've got you. You want to talk about uh, a pumpernickel? That's like an oh, eight-hour wait. Forget about it. Eat your potatoes and kugel. So speaking of European influences, we mentioned it, but you, Tom Lennon, and Ian, Michael Ian Black starred in Viva Variety on Comedy Central. Uh, you played Agatha Lopan? Yes, the former okay. Mrs. Lopan. I played Tom's ex-wife. Okay, but besides how funny the show was... You had on some amazing alternative musical guests. You had on oh They Might God. Be Giants, Ween. You had Real Big Fish, Shonen Knife. Uh, and, Chivo and Mato. We had Run DMC. We had Duran Duran, guys. Dude, which is crazy because that's like coinciding with the same time that our music director on this show, Matt Pinfield, is running 120 minutes. <gasps> so it's, yes, yeah, so I call him Lil Maddie Pinfield. Oh, Lil. Maddie. Little Maddie, oh, nicest guy in the world, Maddie. which means he's got people buried in a, mm-hmm. in a, like a, in like a, in like a Buffalo Bill style, like, you know, a tunnel or whatever it is. Good for he's him. too nice. He's got he's, a hobby. He's got a, Yeah, exactly. Um, so I wanted to ask you, how involved were you guys in picking the, the artist? Uh, did you guys able to pick your favorites? Or oh, you yes. Completely. Cake like played on there. We thought we were being so clever. I threw to myself, like it was some sort of like, like, you know like Star Wars level special effect that yeah. I, I threw over and there I was like, Oh, how that happen? Um, <laughs> the magic of television. Uh, yeah. but Oh yeah, very much. So if we, I mean, what a great way to meet a band that you love. Hey, you want to be on our dumb TV show on basic cable? Um, no, thank you. No. Uh, we had some crazy stars on there. Crazy music stars, crazy, uh, you know, other, we had Whoopi Goldberg and Shelley Long and Stacy Keach. And I mean, we had, we had uh, some crazy, crazy acts on that show. Anybody um, that anybody that you were just like, uh, you said to the boys, you're like, listen, we gotta book this person because I have to meet them. Anybody like that? No, there was it, it wasn't really no, no. I wouldn't say it was like that, but but we threw out a bunch of names and figured we couldn't get anybody. So anybody that we got, we were kind of blown away when people would show up. It was a yeah. fun thing to do, you know. It was uh, Viva was my favorite thing we've ever done. If I could ride off into the sunset doing a, a Viva reunion, I to my end of end of my days, I would do it. Why was your you know, at our heart, we're we're musical theater nerds, you know, and yeah. and we got to sing and dance. Uh, I got to wear, you know, one of a kind gowns, you know, Todd Oldham and, you know, these incredible designers. My hair was always done up in some crazy 
like I had a bird cage of hair with birds and water fountains of hair. And yeah. it, it was, it was magical. And then these guests and these musicians, and unfortunately you can't find the show anywhere because the music licenses ran out. So yeah. they can't re re air it, but uh, I would do that show again in a heartbeat. It was so great. It was so great. Yeah. Um, dude, you know what? It's just so funny. We're talking about it. I have the complete box set right here. Come oh on. my god! Why is it the only surviving copies of it. Here it is. It's so, so weird. weird. It's in like your a... coffee mug. <laughs> it's in my coffee mug. Okay. All right, we're back to the song that uh, the second time we've talked about it, "Man Size." So this was the second single. Um, Peter, uh, play a little taste of this version. I love when she goes to that falsetto. This is just genius. And listen, by I'm not shitting on the sextet version, everybody. I, I I just I just it's it really it's like it's like watching like a Stanley Kubrick movie or something like that. And the music is just like if you're watching like Full Metal Jacket, you remember the final scene is Full Metal Jacket where they're trying to go after that assassin sure and they're don't. playing these weird noises. Really? I thought you were, Never. weren't you in Full Metal um, Jacket? No, I wrote it and I directed it, but I don't okay. remember it because I've okay. written and directed so many blockbuster hits, but go on. So, but it's just, it, it, whereas, whereas the sextet just really got under my skin. I mean, it's not something you can listen to working out. You know what I mean? It's not like where I can uh, listen to this. You haven't seen me work out. <laughs> just you on elliptical, like. I just wrap myself in chains and I spin around in circles. What's up? It, Ichabod Crane. I dig <laughs> Ichabod it. Ichabod Crane style. So, so, so I've read this as a commentary on the male preoccupation with the penis. Uh, I think uh, when she says skinned alive refers to circumcision. Oh. Uh, the male examining the penis, sizing it up. It also can be interpreted as, interpreted as her singing as a macho guy who was trying to rid himself of any shreds of femininity or as a woman who wants to transform into a man or something like that. So she's just talking about gender gender stereotypes yeah. and, cr and crossing lines of gender stereotypes. Very controversial. Very controversial. Um, For 1993, yeah. too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I love it. I love it. More of that. So her singing technique on this song reflects uh, her interest in ventriloquism after Steve Albini got her a book about it. So what I read was that she's singing from, like, the back of her throat and, like, not moving her mouth, like... Like what? she's doing it, yeah. That's I Can swear to God. Can we hear another that, second of this? Play it, play this it again. Is, this is a whole new, a whole new world, a whole fantastic point of view. Try to sing it now from the back of your throat. Sing it from the back of your throat. I belong in long ago. Different song. Never to walk in anyone's shadow. Totally different. If I fail, if I succeed, you can't. All right, play the clip, Peter. I called, I 
think I call bullshit on that. I know. Hold on, it like Peter, same. do you have do you have when she's not singing where it's not the chorus? Do you have the full song? You do. So you're Can saying you play... when she's not singing, she May... sounds no, no, like no, she's no, a no, 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 not that's. <laughs> okay. Okay. Listen, you can't even hear any words coming out. I'm thinking if we can hear like the beginning part, maybe she's doing it there. Can you play like the beginning? Let's see if we can hear it here. By the way, this little guitar riff goes on for 45 minutes. So we'll just sit here. I hear it. Do you hear Thank it? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm not moving my mouth. I'm coming up my fault. I'm not moving my mouth. I read the book of ventriloquism. And now I'm singing from the back of my mouth. In about 30 years, someone will do a podcast about this. It'll be an interesting antidote for them to talk about with that lady from Basic Cable. <laughs> oh, all right, dry. Mm-hmm. Which is not what you just did there, because I am. There he goes. Play 131, Peter. Love her. I love her so much, man. And and uh, you know, we all know what she's talking about. Uh, she couldn't be more obvious. I mean, best lyrics on the record: "A water well in sight, no water at my sides. I'm sucking on the well. I'm sucking till I'm white, but you leave me dry." Mm. Yeah. I I also love about that. This song for me is a great example of something that I also tried to steal which is that this idea of like this sort of churning sort of wave or train of music that the rhythm can change. Like, it's okay. The rhythm can change. Is that a chorus or was that a verse? Like, Oh, now we're doing this, that kind of like departure from verse, chorus, verse, chorus. Here's the rhythm. Here we go. Verse, chorus, verse, chorus. And it's the end. She had this sort of like, it was this, it was its own animal that would just move and move and it would get louder and bigger and then it would slow down and yeah. be quiet. And then you, that part would never come back again. I mean, I, I find that so inspiring. And she, and she keeps doing that throughout her career. I mean, with stories yes. from the city, it's like, you're, you're hearing these songs and, and you're like, oh my, that, cause for me, for, for a new time fan, I'm like, oh wow, that's so odd. It's, but she's probably being experimental. No, she was being experimental right from the beginning. Oh, right. And from I think the, that's why. Right from the jump. And I think that's why you dig it. All right. Moving on. Uh, me, Jane. Okay. My uh, favorite song on the album. Is it? All right. Yeah. Perfect. Well, this, this, you know, and I wrote this, this oh. clip might be my favorite part on the record. For uh, real. You said that. Dude, if I can screenshot and show it to you. See if you can see the reflection. No, wait, see, right? I'm pointing at it right 
there. This clip might be my favorite part on the record. Butter, I know it's backwards. Sausage, toilet paper. I think That's I'm reading fucking, your grocery list. <laughs> it's my grocery list. Okay. Play it, Peter. Rockabilly bitch. Oh, it's phenomenal. Okay, uh, so, were you a fan of Morphine? I'm not. Listen, I wouldn't say I'm a fan, but I know some of their music. There's a song called Buena, Morphine song called Buena, uh, that I loved. Love, 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 love them. I love them. Um, and this song it has the same feeling for me. Peter, do you have, can you pull that up for us? What's the song? It's from title Cure of? for Pain, I think. Um same year, I believe. It has a. It has. You know what's funny is that it. This. I'm not gonna say this. This. You know, doesn't sound original because it does. Um, but it. This song, out of most of the songs on the album, fit more into like that style. Like, I. You ever heard of the band Helmet? Of course. Love. It's got like yes. this helmet yes. type, like just the drums. Those that, Tom. Boom, 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 yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Yeah, Peter, play it. By the way, this intro goes on for another 45 minutes. But <laughs> it's like, God damn it, sing some fucking lyrics. I hear a voice from the back of the room. So obviously it's not the same. No, but no, it's that's half. Pinky, it's not the same anything, but there's just this like churning, like what's coming. Yeah, does it kick in? Does it get to eventual? I mean, look, they're called morphine. They don't when they kick in and they pass out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I never got too crazy. Um (laughs) But yeah, I mean, it was that kind of thing where you're in that small club. Like, do you remember, did you go the old knitting factory? The yes, OG I, knitting factory? No, okay, then never mind. I've been, okay. to, the, I've been to the one in, in Brooklyn now, but not uh, the bah, original. Bah, 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 bah. The OG knitting factory on Houston. The ceiling was made of sweaters, all sweaters. They would hang, like, almost touch your head. And can you imagine, this was the good old days when we used to chain smoke cigarettes in the club and yeah. so it just smelled like one wet wool cigarette stuck to the top of your head and that just that like churning sound like the floor is 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 swaying and bouncing and the the music is swelling god come on <clears throat> reminds me of my old synagogue <laughs> It's time for shul. <laughs> time for shul. Great song. I actually do a joke about I because I do a joke now on stage about if Axl Rose was Jewish. 
And it would be like, could you imagine that Passover, like, Baruch Atah Adonai. Shalom. And you know what's funny? It does well, but the Jews in the audience fucking love it. Yeah, oh yeah. It kills the, with other the Jews. ones. The other ones, uh, not so much. But they laugh you know. along with. They laugh along with. <laughs> they laugh along. The Helping Friendly Podcast explores the music and fan experience of fish through interviews and deep dives on shows and tours. For more than 10 years, we've created insightful and fun discussions about our favorite band. And with the help of our guests and thematic series, we're still discovering new angles of appreciation for fish. And when the band is on tour, we provide a review of every show the following day. As one of our listeners said, any fish fans that enjoy meandering conversations and incredible insight on new and old fish shows, this is for you. Highly recommend. It's not just about the band and the shows. It's about the journey getting there. Throughout 2024, we're going to be running down the top 25 fish tours of all time, and that'll be interspersed with show reviews and regular episodes. Join us and check out the Helping Friendly Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. All right, Snake. Uh, So this is about temptation. Um, A retelling of the story of Eve being tempted by the serpent to eat the forbidden fruit in the Garden of Eden from the Bible's book of Genesis. Uh, This is why I love PJ. Another example, uh, Peter, play 50 seconds in. That's it. That's the clip. That's the clip. That's it. Just that. Kill it, dude. That... I mean, it's that incredible idea of like, don't tell me that that what's singing and what isn't singing. Like, this is sound. This is an instrument. This is, once again, here goes experimental theater, Carrie, on fire. But I just, oh, I love that. Yeah. I I mean, nobody sat down and said, okay, what am I going to do? So we're going to do four bars of this, and then I'm going to go, and how long am I going to do that for? And then we'll kick in with the toms. Should I, can you, can you put a reverb on it? No, 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 no. Just let it dry. It needs to be dry. No, that doesn't work. Hmm. <laughs> um, no, again, I tried to copy. You should listen to our albums because you're, what's going to happen is you're going to hear it and go, mm, yeah, good, good try. Uh, but definitely you're going to hear the influence right away. Oh, I'm excited. Oh, I'm so excited. <clears throat> All right. Final song on the album, Ecstasy. Uh, in my opinion, uh, I, I labeled this grunge blues, very Steve Albini-esque. And this also might be the happiest song on the record. Um, Peter, do you have it? Should be 11 seconds in. I mean this this uh, this could be this could be Soundgarden. This oh. could be Alice in Chains. This could be 
any of them, uh, and then you hear the influence of, I hear, like, Black Keys, I hear, I hear the White Stripes, I hear every, like, quasi-post-blues, grunge, whatever you want to call it, and then it's under this really dark, like, atmosphere, like, you don't think that she's going to be singing about, like, you know, this feeling of, like, you know, like the lyrics, like floating, I'm floating, hanging below the sea. I'm telling you love could mean ecstasy. I'm in ecstasy. This could be about E. This could be about fucking. This could be that she's free from a past relationship holding her back. And I think it's a perfect way to end the record. Agreed. And it could, and it's more kudos to Steve Albini because, you know, he needs them and he's wondering what I think about him. Well, I'm telling you, Steve. You nailed it. Uh, you no, nailed it, Stevie. No, but, but kudos to him because there, there's a song that could so easily be polished up to a piece of shit. Like it, it that that lap steely sound is so dirty, and it should be dirty. There's so much like like just rolling, you know, raw. I'm gonna say it, chunky deliciousness. Fuck um, yeah, yeah. Because I get, I get. Um, <laughs> My sponsor gives me money every time I say it. Yeah. We need to start a band called Chunky Delicious. Yeah. Well, I have a new product <laughs> coming out. That's co- so it's just like a plug. Um, okay. So, but uh, yeah, I mean, it, that could have been polished up so much and so cleaned out and separated and it wasn't. And it's just, it's just perfection. Great. I love it. Uh, cool thing about this song. Uh, she said she literally wrote this in 10 minutes and knew it was finished. Um, I'm going to send you something there. I'm going to send you something on Instagram after this is done. There's a great article in Spin Magazine that interviews Steve Albini, uh, the bassist, the drummer, and PJ, and they go through this whole record, talk about the recording process, talk about the this, because they don't really go into song meanings because she doesn't talk about that, but you'll love it. Is this a recent uh, sort of going back, you know, retro? Here, here it is. It? It's, yeah, it came out, because I got it up right here. I li- I just finished reading it because I wanted to... Came out, oh, well, it came out seven years ago. But yeah, it was, yeah, it, so, so it's Let It Bleed, The Oral History of PJ Harvey's Rid of Me. Um, wow. It's great. So I wanted to ask you, um, have you ever finished a project and like lit up a cigarette like it was post-sex? Like you were just so happy with the work that you did or so happy that you were done with it, if it could be on the, like good or bad? Yeah, but I, yeah, I have. But I also feel like... um there for me there's always that underlying like of course it's not going to be good enough of course it's it's you know you think it's good but it isn't you know there's an enormous enormous amount of insecurity rolled in there but with that also anxious anxiety like maybe i'm wrong maybe this is going to be really good um but yeah for sure uh i've done that I, I, we, we did that after one of our records. We, I, we were, we were recording in Brooklyn and it was snowing and we'd been there for like 24 hours, but we didn't know it had snowed and we yeah. finished, we didn't light up a cigarette cause I never put my cigarette down. Um, yeah. and we finished and went, you know, just sort of like, Oh my God, like we had just given birth to this thing. And we went to open the door of the studio and like snow had, had sort of locked us in. And I'll just, I never, I'll never forget that moment, that sort of feeling of like, wow, we just made this secret, wonderful thing. And, and we're in this womb. Um, and oh, then, so then cool. the immediate fear of putting it out and other people hearing it and all that stuff. And it's the of same course. with, with TV and, you know, with everything. 
Yeah. Um, but no. yeah, sure. I've had that experience. I'm having it right now. I mean, <laughs> um, I'm going to start smoking again because yeah. obviously That's... we nailed this podcast. We, we nailed it. We still got, we got to do a couple facts. I you mean, do some facts and get out of here. I'm here for the day. <clears throat> Let's look. Okay. I don't have Perfect. a lot going on right now. <laughs> I don't know if you've heard there's a pandemic. What? Yeah. Listen, I don't want everyone else to hear about this because that's going to scare the shit out of them. Okay. But there is a pandemic. Are you sure it's not an epidemic? Oh, actually, it might have been an ep- it might have been episodic. I think I misheard it. Okay. Okay. All right. All right. First fact. Here we go. Where is it? I got. I got them all. Just okay. This is a good one. Uh, the black and white cover photo of PJ swinging her wet hair in the bathtub was shot by her photography student friend, Maria Machn... I can't say that. Machnes? It's Polish. I can't say that. It was written in... Oh, no, it was taken in Maria's tiny bathroom in complete darkness with a flash while her roommate was banging on the door having to use the toilet. Genius. So that's... So, it, yeah, it's, it is genius. So I wanted to ask you, what's Have the craziest gotten my picture taken in the bathroom while someone was banging on the door have you um yeah yeah who hasn't that's good what's the craziest thing you've ever done in the bathroom oh jesus christ um oh my god it's that it's that fine line of like i'm a mom now and you know when my son was little i would say or do anything but now that he's 15 and he knows how to work the computer yeah um and the google machine I, every time i'm about to say something i'm like uh um the craziest thing i ever did in the bathroom all right i'll keep do a really pg one for you do my, pj when i lived I, I lived in like 11 different places in 10 years in new york and one of the places I lived, my mom came to visit and she was like, oh, these tile are terrible. So we tore up, I just a rental, we tore up all the tile and we retiled the bathroom. Um, I know not exactly what you were looking for. We were both on Coke at the time. (laughs) Okay, Um, there it is. All right. We were both on Coke. And my mom (laughs) was on the lam for the law. So um, she had just robbed a bank. But um, yeah, retiled the bathroom rental. Okay. All right. Oh, you should get Rebel. into that. You should. What if that became, what if you guys did such a good job that that was like, dude, that's what we do now. I'm sorry. I'm a musician, an improv I uh, comic, floors. and I tile floors. I do grout work. I could turn that into like one of those HGTV shows, but what I do is I sneak into your house at night and I remodel it. Dude, let's not just give up on that idea. Okay. There is a market for that. Yeah. Especially, dude, if you win this Emmy, we're pitching it. Okay. 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 All right. Elvis Costello commented about PJ Harvey's songs by saying many of them seem to be about blood and fucking. What? Uh, my answer to that would be, who asked you, Elvis? <laughs> um, uh, I love Elvis Costello. That so sort of sounds like an out of context quote. Like, did he just say, was he like, hello, news media? I've got something to say. <laughs> Most of PJ Harvey's songs are about blood and semen. We got to get this to the press. So I want to ask you because you've been you've you've been in the in the uh, public eye for a moment now. What's the worst or weirdest review you've ever gotten or critique? Okay, uh, a New York paper I won't say which one once said that I right when the state came out they said I was 
This is these were their two words that they used to insult me. She's untalented and androgynous, as if that's some kind of like gotcha. I don't still don't won't ever fully understand that. Uh, but we did it. The state did my favorite promo for season two ever. I think you can find it online. Um, we had gotten horrible reviews our first season. I mean, horrible. They said like, you know, the executives at MTV should be given drug tests. Um, this is a bunch of, of miserable crap, like literally negative five stars, no joke. So we did a promo of just shots of us watch walking along a lake sort of kicking rocks and putting our arms around each other with the song with our with our our bad reviews scrolling across this the screen and the song i started a joke playing over it and yeah. then at the very end just the final quote more miserable crap the state coming soon i love it i love that so that's some that's a story about making lemonade <laughs> Out of motherfucking lemons. lemons. All right, let's stay. Let's stay in that in that that negative place because then we're going to come back to positive. So, uh, I, I found this quote uh, from PJ. Uh, it's in that article that I'm going to send to you. It said we had Radiohead support us on a gig in New York, and we were really, really unhappy about that because the support band that we had chosen to come on tour with us had been knocked off the bill in favor of these young blonde boys. Screaming girl fans would fill the venue, and then as soon as they finished playing, all the Screaming Girls fans left. After the tour, the band split up. So, I wanted to ask you... Did Radiohead uh, and... Did they fuck up the state? Did did Radiohead fuck up the state? They did. Did they? They I knew it. I knew it. Because, uh, what? yeah, no, go ahead. no, no. Okay. I had no joke <laughs> I was, there. I was like, I, I mean, listen, anytime you go off, I'm like, just go, just go. So, so, um, and, 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 and in the most respectful way without shit on anything, what's the worst gig you ever took? Well, I can tell you the worst gig we ever played. That's what I want. That's what uh, we I played the, um, I've been pretty lucky with comedy again. It's, it's me and you know, the rest of the guys, although we did do a state show we thought it was a good idea to do a live show in Washington Square Park because comedy always goes so well there. Um, spoiler alert, it didn't. It um, we also performed at the Strawberry Festival at New York University. Um, also wasn't really the best. I feel like there was a basketball game happening at the same time. Um, and then as far as the band goes... Uh, we played a show whenever we played DC, it did not go well. We played and our, even our, our boyfriends at the time were from there. DC chicks were tough. And every time we would play, there'd be like a line of them standing up front with their arms folded. And I was very scared. Um, but we, we opened our, uh, we, we opened for Fugazi and Ian comes out and he's like, you guys, these are my friends. Don't throw shit at them. And I was like, oh, no, that's the worst thing you could have said. And um, <laughs> yeah, so that, that was always rough. But, you know, whatever. Dude, that's so badass. You played with Fugazi. What Did you get hit by anything? I don't I don't know. Probably. Yeah. It's probably why I, I can't remember. Yeah. You, anything. You, know, you, got, you got hit by like a like a loose Miller High Life cracked across the noggin. Probably. And, God. All right, last last fact 
And explaining how she felt about the era around this record, PJ said, I don't really listen when people say good things about my work because I tend not to give myself praise about anything. But I was really pleased with Rid of Me. For that period of my life, it was perfect. Well, it wasn't perfect, but as near to as I could get at that time. So, and if you read this this article I'm going to send you, you're, you're, you'll totally understand it. But I wanted to ask you, being that you've, you've done so much, uh, what would be a nearly perfect period of your life to you? Well, I would say that I agree that I hate, I hate that it's true, but pain does create great art, great work. And, and that has been the case for me. My favorite music was, was definitely came out of, of dark, the darkest periods. And even this, you know, Trudy Weigel, this character I play on Reno 911, she's a dark motherfucker. I mean, if I didn't have those wells of pain and, you know, fear and insecurity, I wouldn't know how to, how to improvise you know, her whole world. So it doesn't come out of, out of nowhere. Um, so I don't know that I could specifically point to one project or one thing, but I could say that I fully get how darkness can, can create, you know, great music and, and sure. for me, but also comedy. Oh, a hundred percent. I've taken, I think what's so great about comedy is being able to, especially as a stand-up comedian, is being able to take these uh, these things for years, these things that happened to me in my life for years that weighed me down, gave me complexes, anxiety, made me uh, have a bad self-view of myself. And then I start talking about it on stage and seeing the laughter it brings people. So it's taking this negative and making it a positive. Yeah. It's kind of what I talked about with Michael Ian Black at JFL. And, but that's the truth. Like pain... You know, give it some time. Yeah. But it's funny. Yeah. And and that, you know, when my, my son was really little, I remember there was a moment, an awkward moment where I thought, oh God, how's this going to go? It was a playground moment. And I thought, oh no, he's going to get his feelings hurt. Like he just got, you know, dissed really hard by that other kid. And what's this going to be? How is he going to react? My instinct was to, you know, fly helicopter in and lift him out of the situation. My husband was like, just let's see what happens. And he turned to me and he goes, well, that's my new best friend. Like this beautiful, dry, ironic joke. And I thought he's going to be okay in life because if you can make a joke, if you can see irony, if you can make fun of yourself, if you can be self-deprecating, you're going to be okay. Yeah. It's the people, it's the people that are hard that, you know, that don't see that, that don't see what's funny about them or, you know, or about even dark situations that are going to be in trouble. Yeah. Carrie, this was, this was so much fun. I, I can't thank you enough. Um, is there anything you want to say to Polly Jean since she's probably listening to this? Um, if, if it hasn't been evident, I'm sure you've listened to all nine hours of this. Um, if it, if it, if it's not evident, uh, in my, in my ramblings, um, I adore you. And if you want to come hang out at my house, um, I'll make you quesadillas. I don't know how to make quesadillas, Polly. Listen, we'll order out. This is so great. Thank you so much, Carrie. Thank you. This is awesome. What did I tell you? The one and only Carrie Kenny Silver. Girl.
Don't forget to check out Carrie's band, Cake Like. I am telling you guys, I went down a Cake Like YouTube rabbit hole. The music is incredible. It's so 90s. It's so great. And especially after knowing how funny Carrie is, dude, the music's even better. Fantastic band. Make sure you check it out. Part two of Reno 911 that is streaming now on Quibi. Follow her on Instagram at Carrie Kenny Silver and on Twitter at Carrie Kenny. Now, we just listened to PJ Harvey from 1993. This week, our new music pick by music director Matt Pinfield is Luna Aura. You are listening to her new single right now, Honey. Luna Aura is a Phoenix-born, genre-blurring alternative artist who cites both PJ Harvey and Elastica as major influences. You can find links to her music on our website, the500podcast.com. And if you're in a band and were directly influenced by one of these albums or artists and you want your music featured on The 500, send your song to 500podcast at gmail.com. Make sure you put the album and the artist that influenced you in the... Next week, it's Big Star Week Round Thrizzle as we review 1974's sophomore record, Radio City. Y'all got some homework to do. Stay fleecy. Hey friends, my name is Zach Lupiton. You may know me from the band Dust Bowl Revival, but I also host a music discovery podcast called The Show on the Road. For the last five seasons, I've been able to dive deep and have intimate chats with folks like the Lumineers, Andy DeFranco, Wolfpack, Keb Moe, Lake Street Dive, Bela Fleck, and more. So guess what? After 150 conversations with some of my favorite songwriters from around the world, we are bringing brand new episodes to the Osiris Network. New interviews and intimate acoustic performances will be coming at you this summer. And which episodes are coming next, you ask? I am Zach Goody, the lead singer for the band Smash Mouth. Our band is called Milky Chance. We are based in Berlin. My name is David Shaw. I sing and write songs with my band, The Revivalists. Trust me, these conversations go some wild places. So subscribe to the show on the road on Osiris, and we'll see you soon. Hey there, I'm Johnny Christ from Avenged Sevenfold, and I've got a podcast called Drinks with Johnny you're going to want to check out. I sit down with a bunch of different people from all different walks of life, from professional wrestlers to actors, comedians, fighters, musicians, everything in between. I'm just looking to make some friends and have a good time doing it. So if that sounds like something you're into, go check out Drinks with Johnny, streaming everywhere now. Next Chapter Podcasts.